When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Discourse, a short-form, one-on-one interview podcast with filmmakers, actors, and other industry folks, brought to you by The Playlist and hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo. Today we're kicking off spooky season by discussing the latest entry in the beloved VHS horror anthology franchise entitled VHS 85. Joining the podcast to discuss his piece in the film entitled Dream Kill is director Scott Derrickson, who directed things you might know like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, uh, Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange, Sinister, uh, The Black Phone, and more. During the chat, we get to geek out on horror movies, we touch on his connection to the VHS franchise, we talk Doctor Strange, we talk Sinister 1 and 2, we tease his new upcoming film The Gorge with Miles Teller and Anya Taylor-Joy. Lots and lots of good stuff in this one. As I say in the beginning of the interview, I am a big fan of Scott's work, so just picking his brain was a real treat for me. His piece of VHS 85 is kind of a supernatural slasher detective story, which is super good. And I honestly can say VHS 85 might be my favorite of the bunch. I know there are a lot of people that are loyal to one and two. Uh, I really love 80s horror, so this one really tapped into things for me. VHS 85 hits Shudder on October 6th. If you are a horror fan, definitely check that out. There's a lot of good stuff there. Before I shoot you over to the interview, I've got to tell you that the Discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the playlist podcast binge worthy deep focus and more we can be heard on apple podcasts soundcloud stitcher spotify wherever you find your favorite shows be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or rating as we do very much appreciate it head on over to the playlist.net for film and tv news and reviews and interviews and more okay here's my chat with the very talented modern horror master himself scott derrickson Scott, wonderful to speak with you, man. I'm a big fan of your work. Thank you. Yeah, the segment of, of VHS 85 is no different. Dreamkill is awesome. So congratulations on another great piece of horror. Thanks so much. So I guess let's just start at the beginning of that. What? How did you get pulled into the VHS of it all? Are you familiar with the franchise? That kind of thing. Yeah, I was familiar with the franchise. Um, and uh, my wife, Maggie Levin, was uh, invited to do... Uh, a short for VHS 99. And I knew, I knew Brad Miska, uh, sort of knew Bruckner. Uh, and, and they just threw out, they, just, they were like, hey, you don't think Scott would want to do one, do, do you? And so she asked me, and at first I was like, I don't think so. And she said, I think you should do it. 
so I thought about it for a while and, I, and, and you know, it's an opportunity to play. It's an opportunity to, to do something daring and, and inventive. And there's no, there's no constraints on the gore. You can be as violent as you want. So I spent about two straight days. It was cold out because I was sitting in front of a fire in my backyard. I remember I spent the better part of like two work days. What's usually my writing period sort of staring at the fire and trying to think of something <laughs> that would make me that would make it interesting to do. And I thought, I'll give it two days. And if I don't come up with something, uh, I, I won't do it. And what started to interest me as I sat there and thought about it was the typical constraints of found footage, you know, the rules of found footage, I think are one of the reasons why it's kind of died out as a genre. And I thought, well, you know, if I could find a way to bend those rules, play with it more, do something, you know, more interesting with, with, uh, with the found footage constraint, that would be interesting. And, and that, then I came up with the idea of, you know, uh, a VHS tape recording of, of somebody's dreams. And once I got that idea, and I thought, oh, this is an interesting idea. Uh, and then sort of the plot of that, that is, you know, my episode is based on my segments based on that, that these dreams are uh, contain the murder, you know, very violent murders before they happen. Then I was in, then I was I thought that would be great. And then it was also uh, an opportunity to work with my sons. You know, my son Dashiell plays Gunther, the goth kid. And my other son Atticus did the, did the dream score for the dream sections of the movie. So it was nice. also a family affair and, uh, and had, I just had a good time doing it. It was great. That's amazing. I also have a son named Dashiell. Short, oh, nice. uh, yeah, small world. Um, I assume. Uh, it was more about the 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 alliterativeness. My last name is D'Angelo, so Dashiell D'Angelo sounded fine for me. As like far as character. that's it, exactly. But yeah, it's not the first time you've worked with with him either. Um, he was also in the Black Phone, I believe, right? Yeah, a small part in Black Phone. I I did a little uh, a little short film uh, with him during uh, the lockdown. Yeah, he's a he's a really, actually really really wonderful actor. Um, you know, I've seen him in a lot of plays and things like that. I don't know if that's if he's going to pursue it professionally, but he's very very right. good. And, Have you uh, raised them to be big horror fans? Oh yeah, they're both. I mean, we just got back from Fantastic Fest. Nice. It was, you know, me and and Maggie and both boys and my oldest son. My oldest son is eighteen. Atticus is eighteen. He's got uh, his girlfriend came and Dashiell brought his best friend. And uh, and a rapper friend of ours named Sadistic, and we just went to everything. We just saw nothing but horror films for, you know, eight straight days. So they're huge genre fans. Yeah, that's awesome. As far as Dream Kill goes, was this like something that was completely like from the ground up made for for like a VHS short, or did you have like maybe this could be a feature kind of? No, everybody, everybody who sees it, fin it finished feels like, oh, God, I, I mean, this was the other thing. No, it wasn't an idea that I had. And yes, okay. it certainly is, a, I think, an idea that could possibly be expanded into a feature, but also maybe not. You know, what was also interesting to me is to have a, you know, I think the film is 22 minutes long, you know, something in the roughly 20 yep. minute range to try to tell a real narrative story with real characters because that's the other thing that i you don't typically get in these vhs films you know they're you sort of introduce people in, in a slice of life kind of way and you don't get to know them as characters with with interesting backstories and with 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 an involved uh narrative and i felt felt like well if i could actually it's very hard to make a short film and if i could make a short film that doesn't do that typical thing of let's just uh spend you know five to ten minutes watching people do nothing just so we know their <laughs> names and faces 
and then have the weird shit start. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to start off with a bang and have every scene uh, either telling us more about the character specifically or informing the narrative so that the end result is, you know, a, a real a narrative film with a with a yeah. kind of three act structure and and uh and, and a detective and, story no less and it's, a, and it's like, a, yeah it's a it's a definitely it's a clean serial killer detective movie yeah and i grew up with slashers like my a lot of my favorite horror movies just happen to be slashers halloween's my favorite horror franchise of all time i love scream friday the 13th prom night texas chainsaw all that stuff but and i could definitely see like the halloween influence on the pov shots and stuff like that so what impacted you, not necessarily for here, but just as far as slashers go, what were your like big ones, your touchstones? Sinister, probably yeah. <laughs> the biggest influence, you know, uh, and, and Black Phone. Uh, you know, I love Super 8, and, and that was the other thing, is I, I was very interested in getting Super 8 imagery into a VHS segment and, and the ideas that the dreams. I find Super 8 film, you know, really fun to shoot. And every stock has wildly different re reactions and and uh and color and density and all that so it i think that those were influential um because i wanted to continue to play with that idea uh and they're literally dreams in the black phone um like they are here yeah I don't know if a little easter egg there's a little easter egg in there about black phone when uh when when uh, uh james ransone says uh you know his sister kill has the same gift as gunther his kiss his sister oh. herself. he says his cousin gwen has it i fucking hate it they're just talking about Gwen from Black Phone. That's uh, insane. Yeah. So nobody's caught that yet. I had to tell you that. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's so that was an influence. But going back to, you know, probably Manhunter is an influence. You know, the POV shot on the stairs is straight out of Manhunter. And even some of the, 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 the blood spattered white walls with a dead corpse is also really from that movie. Uh, you know, that's that's in there. And then I think, you know, the seven, you know, is the mm. Fincher's career with seven and Zodiac. Those are the great cop on the beat detective serial killer stories that, that are really well told, you know. Uh, um, so all that's, you know, I just like that genre. I think it's really yeah. wonderful. It's one of my favorite kinds of film to watch. So uh, those yeah. are all influences. Yeah, you're you're so good at at taking like what, like a slasher, what might be normal straight ahead premise, and then kind of giving it this supernatural element. Obviously, Dream Kill is is that. What keeps you kind of coming back to the supernatural, or maybe kind of like mystical, uh, even with something like a slasher or a kidnapping thriller or detective story, whatever. I mean, I think that introducing the fantastical, the mystical, magical into a, a well-tread genre a is interesting and can be very exciting if it hasn't been done joe hill's short story for the black phone by itself i wanted to adapt that story because it was the first thing i'd ever read that was both a ghost story and a serial killer story yeah and you know and i thought that was really interesting it was a great starting off point but i i always come back to that or almost always come come back to that you know because i like as a filmmaker and as a film viewer you know to be transported and to be woken up about life and mm. and possibilities. And I think that, you know, we, I think that uh, the world is a very mystical place. And I think that it's, you know, not bound, you know, a lot. I, I get dinged a lot by critics because I take the paranormal or the supernatural or the spiritual seriously, which is fine, you know, because they think that anyone who does that is stupid. Well, I think it's stupid 
to be a materialist. I think materialism is is idiotic. Uh, we don't sure. even know what matter. We don't even know what matter is, you know, from a scientific <laughs> point of view. So I, I think that it's an opportunity to remind the audience that the world is extraordinary and that the world is more than what we think it is, and much bigger and much more mysterious. And you know that life is a is a really profound mystery, um, and to play with possibilities within that mystery is always a good time for me. But I have to do it in a grounded way. I only like those kinds of stories as a filmmaker if I'm introducing the fantastical or the mystical or the mysterious in a real world with real characters. You've now kind of left your mark, as it were, on the horror genre when it comes to like Sinister or The Black Phone or this uh, or Exorcism of Emily Rose. Are you at all interested in like continuing stories or is your interest more in new ground as far as like new stories go would you ever want to go for like a black phone too or another sinister i know there has been another sinister yeah i think i i think that you know but that but i wasn't i really didn't want to do sinister too you know i sort of wrote the script yeah. quickly really as a favor to jason blum and and i didn't want to direct it and i shouldn't have done that i should have taken more time if i was going to write the script I think we really missed on that screenplay. Um, I I don't know the car. I can't speak for Cargill, but I you know I think we really missed the getting the occult mystery into that story in a way that could have made it another hit film. I would certainly return a second time to a to a film if if I had a take on it that I thought felt was going to be equally entertaining, but also very fresh and and uh, and and bring in a new, really radically new take on whatever that franchise is, you know, what I, what I don't think I have much interest in is creating sequels that feel like they're all the same film. I don't think I would have that, you know? Right. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. And I mean, even on Dr. Strange, you know, the, the film I wanted to make was going to be an extreme departure from the first film that I had made and, uh, you know, and, and was going to be a a genuine horror film, you know, of sorts that that's always interesting to me. I mean, I'm a big fan of your first Doctor Strange film. I know you have to be kind of diplomatic here when it comes to like, what ha- have you even seen Multiverse of Madness, Raimi's version? Yeah, yeah, I went to the premiere. I mean, I'm still friends with Kevin and, you know, everything between me and Marvel is is really cool. They invited me to the premiere and I went, you know, and, I, and I'm friends with Sam. I love Sam. So there's no bad blood over that or anything like that. Sure. So creatively, like you said, you wanted it to be more of like a straight up horror film. What kind of elements were you looking to weave in there that they didn't necessarily deal yeah. with? Well, that I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> no, uh, what, I, what all I can say is that um, is that, you know, what we said publicly was exactly the truth. We had real creative differences. You know, the movie I wanted to make and how I wanted to make it was different than than what it just was increasingly obvious that it was that that we were pulling against each other and that's how you make a really bad movie i think mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when a, when a, when the producer or the studio and the filmmaker are making different movies you end up with a monstrosity you know and uh and i just i that's why i i had to bounce and it's i mean yeah it's probably for the best if it, if you describe it that way when it comes to uh, you know, large scale filmmaking. I know you've you've had your crack at it a, a few times. Is that something you're you're really 
wanting to step back into or are you like with the black phone where you like maybe this this kind of like more mid mid budget kind of genre stuff is is where i should be making films or do well, you want to jump all over i'm in post-production on a big movie right now Ooh, yeah for, for apple and skydance so. yeah is that the the gorge yeah i believe that's, yeah. that's the working title i hope we change it <laughs> all right what are you leaning towards oh i can't say <laughs> okay fair enough it's not a bad cast i know miles teller oh um, they're they're Taylor they're both, uh I'll t- i'm telling you uh I-, I really love the movie i think the movie yeah. turned out great and you know we're in doing visual effects and stuff like that now but man they are both really good in it they're excellent in the film they're very good actors both of them so you said it's kind of large scale. Is it still horror or, or genre or what would you say it is? You no, know, I can't reveal anything that has gone beyond what's out there because it's not that is not my department. Fine, I guess. I would like uh, to tell you, but uh, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say and not say. So I've learned the hard way to just totally understandable. Yeah. When it comes to like going back to like Sinister and stuff. When it comes to like you see the the Forbes article that reported, you know, on that scientific study that determined it's the scariest movie of all time. What kind of what did you feel seeing that? for? Um, Well, when I read what they actually did, that it was a sizable group, you know, and that they were measuring pulse rates and this sinister didn't just win. It won by a great margin. I mean, the pulse rate for that film was along was far above the second place film and. And when I saw the list of films that everybody watched, I was I was pretty astonished. It's great, you know. It makes me feel really good. I I I. Uh, it was a very personal movie, uh, made from a very personal place. But I really wanted to make the horror film. I thought it might be the last film I ever make, you know. So I tried to yeah. make the horror film I most wanted to see, and it turns out a lot of other people wanted to see it too. You know, when you're working in genre, it's like you hear something like that. Well, that's the high, isn't that the highest compliment there is, you know, it's like the movie that people laugh at the most is the best comedy. The people that, you know, uh, have that gets people's pulse rate the highest because they're the most scared. Well, that's, that's a, that's a very good horror film. Absolutely. And I know even, even from the opening shot of that movie, it's just terrifying. So I've rewatched it recently. Uh, and it's, it holds up, man. I, I, you should be very proud of that one. There's a lot of, and there's, I think there's a lot of artistry in the imagery and, and, and there's a lot of humanity in the, uh, in the performances. I mean, there's a scene in my new film that might be my favorite scene that I've ever shot. But before that, I think my favorite scene that I'd ever shot was the argument, the domestic argument between Ethan Hawke and, and Juliet Rylance, you know, mm-hmm. in their bedroom, just because, you know, it's like a five minute domestic quarrel. And you just don't see things like that in horror films, you know, and I, I, and I, it was just a really electric the way it all worked out, the blocking, the, the acting, the writing, all of it was very powerful. And I think is one of the reasons why that film is scary, because you are deeply invested in the realism of those people. I hate to jump from from thing to thing, but uh, this popped up in my head while we were after we were talking Marvel. I know at one point you were offered like or maybe in discussions for like a ghostwriter movie i feel like that could be something like supernatural elements there you could really nail that i know ryan gosling's expressed interest i feel like we could get this greenlit in like one day oh what, yeah i look i think ghostwriter's a great comic uh yeah you know and i think it's it's great mythology and i think there's a really great movie to be made from there yeah i was offered ghostwriter 2 Okay. After, yeah, yeah, after yeah. I, you know, when I was kind of in director's jail and it was uh, and I read the script and I was like, well, this will 
probably end my career if I do this. Um, I just didn't think that it was something that was going to do particularly well. Uh, but, you know, it was and I, I don't think I ever saw the movie. So no criticism of, of <laughs> ended up doing in the end. But it yeah. was it just wasn't for me to do. But, yeah, I love that. Love that comic. I think there's a good film in there for sure. Absolutely. I would love to see someone take a, a modern crack at it. And and like I said, you'd, you'd fit great. In that kind of vein, I know this is kind of the, the era of franchises and IP and all that. I mean, you have worked on existing IP before, but you you like to put forth original ideas. Is there a franchise that would entice you to be like horror or otherwise, where you're just like, I, I would have to at least give it a shot? I mean, I've always expressed interest in Constantine. I think that those, mm. like, I love the Hellblazer comics. I've read all of them. But, you know, that's, it's also, uh, you know, entangled in a lot of ownership things. And I don't know if Keanu would, Reeves would do it again or not. And, you know, there's nothing that I would just immediately say yes to because it was that particular piece of IP. Um, right. I think that, I think that, that it's gotten way out of hand, the degree to which IP drives material. This, this, you know, the gorge is not IP. It's, it's right. totally personal. And, and when, when you, you know, when you eventually see the film, it's just not like anything else that's been made. It's a very unique movie. And uh, and I, I really like that. You know, I, I like the black phone for that reason. To me, IP is you know, novels and short stories feel different to me because they can be anything as opposed to popular comic books, popular TV shows, things like that, that are that are well known to the public. And, and by the way, those movies can be amazing. I think Barbie is the best film I've seen this year. It's great. You know? Well, that's not true. I saw this horror film, When Evil Lurks, at Fantastic mm. Fest. So Barbie and When Evil Lurks. Those are my two favorite films of the year, which are um, which couldn't be farther away from each other. But yeah, Barbie is a good example of, of you know, populist IP that was treated with true brilliance. I mean, that's an yeah. extraordinary movie on every level. Um, I think it should probably win Best Picture. You know, the writing is so clever and smart and subversive and the acting is amazing and it's so entertaining and it's artful in the way that it's, you know, the visual style of it. it's just an awesome film. Yeah, it really does work on all levels. It deserves all the the money that it's getting right now. I, I thought it was fantastic. And it is uh, kind of the season. You said uh, when evil lurks is a recommendation. I was going to ask for a couple horror recommendations since you've just oh, hit that movie. That fantastic movie fest. Is, yeah, that movie is one of the best horror films I've ever seen. And, and wow. it's, and it's, um, you know, this uh, this Mexican director, uh, I'm blanking his name now, but but he uh, he did Terrified. And, you know, yeah. but with this film, I just it, it's as hardcore and transgressive and shocking and violent as really a horror film can be. Um, but it's not gratuitous in the sense of everything that's in there is serving the severity of the story. What's amazing about it is I can't think of another time in my adult life post film education post horror knowledge like it was since my mid-20s maybe i can't think of another time i've seen a horror film where i had no feelings of reference to other films i just felt mm. like what i was watching didn't it didn't remind me of anything else it just was so utterly original and the mythology there's a possession mythology in it that is completely original um and is scarier than any christian demonology that I've ever seen on screen, except for maybe the original Exorcist. It's just so good, Classic. you know. And and uh, he made a really. I I think the movie is so violent and so <laughs> shocking and brutal. 
it may not ever find a, a main, mainstream popularity, but boy, is it a great piece of horror uh, filmmaking. Well, you've certainly piqued my interest. And, you know, for, for the people listening, obviously, we're here talking about VHS 85. I'll just say that it's streaming exclusively on Shutter on October 6th. And uh, Scott's part, Dream Kill, is fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. They're giving yeah, me I really enjoyed so that conversation. Those were excellent questions. Great. Thank you. So yeah, much. thanks, man. All right. Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.